0: Oh, let's love the Lord together. We love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, you are so mighty. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for your goodness.
1: Hallelujah.
0: Oh, what a God.
1: What a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful God. Praise the Lord. I'm gonna let you be seated for a moment we'll, we'll stand for the reading of the word of the Lord but uh, you know this has really been a conference this has this has really 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 been um, a profound meeting and um, I've just I've just Stood in awe from the opening moments, the opening presence of the Lord that has been here signally and um, graciously, and um, the anointing and the word of the Lord that has come to us. And I thought, well, brother, and there's there's been a there's been a, a theme actually. I feel like and bottom line ultimately god loves his people and he's with us whatever else else is happening in this world don't forget this god that we serve is with us he's with us and everything that's taking place in this world all the crazy nutsy stuff and and if he tarries we ain't seen nothing yet But it's all been given full coverage. There's there's no surprises. He he let us know. He let us know. And he let us know he'd be with us. And this week has been a very special time. from From Brother Tiller's opening message. Oh my. And then Brother Jason Hood. And just before... Brother Sutton brought us the word of the Lord, I leaned over to Brother Prado. And I said, "I, I'm just, I said, you know, about the last month, something's just been moving in on me. And, and what I'm about to say is like, duh. Because we've all preached it. I've been preaching it for over 40 some years. But I said that this great This God of the cosmos, this God that has the cosmos in his back pocket, that he would robe himself and come and live in this world in order to pay the price for us to go to his heaven. And then Brother Sutton brought the word of the Lord. It was a moment. I'm just telling you, it was a moment. And we could go on and on and on with Brother Wilson last night, such a great challenge for this hour, and then today's been a special day again, Uh, Brother Archer, and, and I know I'm taking a little bit of time here, but I told some brethren, and I told Brother Archer, for every. One God, apostolic church that's trying to do it right. And every saint of God that is serious about living for God. And every pastor and his wife that are giving it their best shot. I feel like Brother Archer's message, especially for them, is the most important message we can hear right now. It's the most important message. We can hear right now. Don't think God does not take notice of love and adoration for him. And he knows we're human. But he's with us even unto the end of the age and beyond. I'm glad. And then Brother, brother Bass, oh my goodness, outdid himself. And um, I had the Lord speaking so powerfully to me. Close of that service, so I'm just ah uh, I'm just standing on. now I usually don't feel that much pressure at the end of a, but this is you don't want to have services like this and then go Pfft. this is a deal man so anyway, how many love brother and sister go there oh good. Sunday wonderful people they're wonderful 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 people we love you guys so much wonderful people just go ahead and keep standing Uh, I can count and and people are good to me anywhere I've ever gone some people have all these sob stories and sad stories I don't have those some folks are going to the wrong places or maybe they're taking the wrong attitudes to the right place. I don't know what's happening. But I don't have sob stories. Folks have been good to me. But when it comes to hospitality and kindness uh, on one hand I I can count places that do it as good as Johnny and Mickey there in this church but there is nowhere That does it any better? Nowhere, nowhere, nowhere. That does it any better than these? They are wonderful, and uh, every courtesy that I could think of, and a whole lot of courtesies, never even enter my mind. They just show them so so matter-of-factly. So nobody surpasses them. So here we are, and this this is the last night of this conference, but we are in the most exciting days I think the kingdom of God has ever known, and I think we're headed into even greater days. So I think it's important that we are geared correctly that we are thinking correctly, that our outlook is correct and I think this conference has been geared for that. I'm going to ask you to turn with me if you would to the book of 1st Samuel chapter number 10 1st Samuel chapter number 10 uh, I'm going to read um, a little bit here out of chapter 10 and chapter 19 First Samuel. Appreciate all of the kindness. It's not very often that I'm in a situation where, if I need to, I can yell at the sound man and say,
0: "Hey, dude, knock it off!"
1: <laughs> but I can, because that guy with his—he's probably about to turn me off. <laughs> out of our church praise god he hears it all the time but not from me <laughs> that's the lot of being a sound man god love you every you know nobody can tell when you're doing a good job when you're a sound man nobody can tell he is good ain't he he's good but buddy ever anyway praise god glad you're <laughs> glad you're there we know a story about a sound man. Praise God. All right. I'm going to take you something. This nice, sweet, gentle, wonderful man. And those of you in this church know that when it's time to get down to business, he can take care of business. He took care of business. With us. Oh, I wish I'd have been there. Praise God. He made preachers happy all over Pentecost. Anyway, now. <laughs> now I'm going to read my text. And and I'm not going to give you any surprises. It's going to take me just a little bit to get to my point. When I, I'm going to give you the title of this message in just a minute. Then when I get to my point, I'm going to give you my subtitle. And then I noticed that the, the food room was really full tonight before church. I know people were probably loading up, getting ready. But, but once I make my point, I'm far closer to being done than you think. But I am going to tap on that point from several directions. But we'll, we're going to have a good time. And, uh, and, and the food will be hot, and we'll have a wonderful time. All right. First Samuel 10, verse 9. And it was so that when he, this is a man named Saul, when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart, and all these signs came to pass that day. And when they came thither to the hill, behold, a company of prophets met him. And the Spirit of God came upon him, and he prophesied among them, among those prophets. And it came to pass when all that knew him before time, now that knew him saw that, behold, he prophesied among the prophets Then the people said one to another, What is this that is come unto the son of Kish? Is Saul among the prophets? And one of the same place answered and said, But who is their father? Therefore it became a proverb. It went so far through the land This statement became a proverb. Is Saul also among the prophets? Now if we stopped right there, what a report that would be. Now we're going to go down several chapters and many, many events to chapter 19. And this same man has been king now for many, many years, many years and he's not having a good day and he's upset at a young man named David and he is upset at a prophet named Samuel he wasn't about to lay a finger on Samuel but he was not happy with him and if he could get David he would basically tear him limb from limb. Verse 20, And Saul sent messengers to take David. And when they, these the messengers, saw the company of prophets prophesying and Samuel, standing as appointed over them, the Spirit of God came upon the messengers of Saul, and they also prophesied. They didn't get... Burned up with fire as in the days of Elijah. They prophesied. And when it was told Saul, he sent other messengers and they prophesied likewise. And Saul sent messengers again the third time. And they prophesied also. Fire fell, but different kind. Verse 22, then went he also to Ramah came to a great well that is in Seca and he asked and said where are Samuel and David and one said behold they be at Naoth in Ramah and he went thither to Naoth in Ramah what an amazing statement and the spirit of God was upon him also and he went on and prophesied until he came to Naoth in Ramah, and he stripped off his clothes also, and prophesied before Samuel in like manner, and lay down naked all that day and all that night. Wherefore, they say, is Saul also among the prophets? Title number one is Saul Among the Prophets. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you have been so good to us these days and on these lives. You're good to us, God, beyond what we can begin to imagine. We're asking once again that you would be good to us by giving us Your word giving us understanding, anointing every one of our hearts, God, to receive from you. Touch us all. Mold us all. Make us all into your image. In Jesus' name. Isn't he a good God? Let's let's give the Lord a good hand. Oh, this God is in this house. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
0: Thank you, God. What a mighty, 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 mighty God.
1: We love you, Jesus. God bless you so very, very, very much. You may be seated. Thank you for your patience and standing. I'm, uh, I'm going to lean on your um, knowledge of uh, this book we have read from and the story that we have brought to you, and I know that some may be more familiar than others, but the bottom line is we're dealing with a man that when he comes on to the pages of Scripture and history, almost every biblical figure, almost every biblical figure that you deal with of any length of time at all, there is always given a developmental process of how they came and became and began to fulfill what God had for them to do. And it was a growing process. Uh, An exception to that rule is Elijah. Just this Tishbite shows up. We're not giving uh, any knowledge of the training process that went into him. We do understand the training process that he put, and God put, Elisha through. But uh, I know that there was training that went into making Elijah. But when Saul comes on the scene, he literally is termed the goodliest in all Israel. He is found to be uh, almost an inordinately humble man. When the actual time of anointing him king comes to pass, he's hiding among the traveling baggage of the entourage of his house. They have to go dig through the stuff to find him when he's anointed king there are sons of Belial that do not do him obeisance they proclaim who is this guy come on give us a break and, and as king and in a, such a momentous moment and no less a figure than Samuel had anointed him all he had to do was take him out but he said nothing he said nothing and then Many months later, when he wins his great victory up at uh, Kirjath-Jerim, and Samuel calls for another second anointing to take place. And now he's a hero, and Israelites are saying, get those scallywags that opened their mouth at the first anointing. And this humble man says, nobody will be put to death this day. Leave him alone. And uh, and on and on and so he he starts out in the pages of scripture, so tremendously, so wondrously. Um, again, there is no developmental process given for his becoming king. He starts out great. I, I want to bring this to your attention: that God didn't pick a loser, just to spite his people saying, you want a king? All right, take this turkey. He gave him the goodliest Israel had to offer. Now, there is a developmental process that we read about. He starts on the pages as the best. By the time we're done with the man, he's one of the worst in the pages of the book. I don't know of anybody else that puts to death 80 priests of God and their wives and their children and their asses and oxen and sheep. What he did not and would not do to the Amalekites in disobedience, it's pretty amazing that when he made his turn, he wouldn't do that to the wicked Amalekites, but he would do it to the priest of God. Just in case you wondered where his mental framework had been had disintegrated to and uh, he dies for going to a witch of Endor Uh, after having put many witches to death and putting them out of the land he himself goes to seek him etc we know of his treatment to David etc so he starts out the best and ends up one of the worst And and it's a sad story to me Saul is one of the most tragic figures of scripture. I don't enjoy reading about this tormented man. I don't enjoy it. I think it's, it's, a, it's, it's a tragedy, and when I even use this phrase, forgive me. It's of a, it's a Grecian tragic dimensions. Shakespeare couldn't put together something as sad as Saul. Macbeth has nothing on King Saul. Okay? I'm moving slow, but... last night brethren the steaks are just warming up <laughs> they're raw so uh when we start with our first text this humble man he's just looking for the lost asses that his father's houses and 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 they they they've looked high and low and and finally this this his, his, his servant, sidekick, said there is the prophet at Ramah and uh, the seer is there. And so they go there and is the seer here? They called him seers, seers in those days. And said, yes, he's here for a feast. And he says, what have you got to give him? He said, I got the fourth part of a shekel, which in the Nelson Study Bible of, of uh, 35 years ago said that was about 44 cents. 44 cents that was awesome when I read that I read that I was pastoring my first church it was right after I spent my first year there in 77 and with the money I had to put into the church and the money I got out of the church that year I averaged out I made 44 cents a service and when I read that I just I said oh God if it was good enough for Samuel it's good enough for me i was so happy so he said, That's what we got. And he says, Fine, don't worry about that. And, uh, and he begins to prophesy immediately, or is not the eyes of all Israel upon thee? And God has chosen you from your father's house. And he begins to tell him he's going to be king. And then he begins to tell him, this is what's going to happen. You're going to meet some men. They're going to give you two loaves of bread. You're going to go on down. You're going to meet some other men. They're going to be prophesying. Do what seemeth thee good. And that's when our text comes. This man, this world of prophecy, this world of prophesying, this world of signs and wonders, for all practical intents and purposes, he'd heard about them, but he'd never experienced anything like that. And now, before that day is over, he is prophesying under the power of Almighty God. It is flowing. And everybody that's there, everybody that sees, everybody that hears, word spreads. And before long, he's anointed king. And all of these things are happening. And he's such a goodly man. And the statement is, is Saul among the prophets? God must have been good enough basically to give us a prophet for a king in their minds. They're probably probably thinking this. I wish again that was the end of the story. Uh, but we know that it's not. We work our way through these next nine chapters. And... Uh, Thirteen and one, he reigns a year. Before that verse is over, he's reigned two years. In the second verse, he's choosing. Before then, men would gather themselves to him as God touched their hearts. Now he's going about through the land and choosing him, men of Israel. Anybody that he sees is good, strong, etc., etc. They come to a place in a battle in that chapter and... And, and they're waiting for Samuel. And when Samuel doesn't show up at the time appointed in his mind, he sees his armies drifting away. So he states he forced himself to offer up sacrifice, which was not his job. Now, whatever else we want to say about that, everybody listen. Know your place in God. Know your place in God. And, and so he thought, I'm as good as Samuel. I can offer up and not sacrifice as good as any priest. And about the time that the smoke is wafting into the air, here comes Samuel. What on earth are you doing? I, 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 I had no choice. You didn't show up. And he said, this is not good, boy. And uh, this ain't good at all. God's going to have to find somebody else. Heavy tidings. So, from that day, things get worse, worse. By the 14th chapter, Jonathan, his own son, is stating, My father has troubled this land. He's troubled this land. There's no victory He stays up under trees in Gibeah. Jonathan has to go out and about to win victories, etc. By verse 44, Saul is actually stating that the hero of the hour, Jonathan, is going to be put to death. And Jonathan said, because I ate a little honey. Because his father, in haste and effort to appear zealous and righteous, Passes an edict on a day of battle when everybody needs every ounce of energy they can get. Nobody eats anything today till my enemies are avenged and the people are so faint for long they're falling on the cattle and the sheep and they're eating it with the blood. And Jonathan said, and I'm going to die because I broke your stupid edict and the people rescued him. So things are not good. In the 15th chapter... Samuel tells him, there was a day when you were little in your own sight and God made you head of the tribes and anointed you king. But now you're not little in your own sight and you're too big for your britches. And I got a word for you, your rebellion is the same as witchcraft and your stubbornness is like iniquity and idolatry. Furthermore, because you've rejected God's word, God has rejected you from being king. And from that time, an evil spirit, God's spirit departs, and an evil spirit takes its place. And now in the 16th chapter, there was a young man, David, that that David used to be able to play his harp and drive away evil spirits. But But now David's got a problem. He's a hero. He's killed Goliath. And when he killed Goliath... A problem arose. They were coming back from the victory. They had been in a stagnant, hideous, shameful stalemate for 40 days and nights. And this stripling of a youth brings down the giant in the name of the Lord. And as they're heading back and Saul is enjoying the accolades and he's hearing the song off in the distance of the tambourines and the women singing, Saul hath slain his thousands. And in the Hebrew, and I'm no scholar, but I know how to read, kinda. They were saying, "Hikas Shalul Belafa." Saul hath slain his thousands, and he's enjoying it. But then he hears the rest of the verse, "Va David Bariva Vote," which literally means, "But David hath slain his myriads and myriads." And that phraseology is the highest accolade that could be given a soldier. And here is Saul saying, I've been king for 20 years. This skinny little kid is on the battlefield one day and they're giving him accolades like that. I've killed thousands, but he's killing myriads and myriads. And he eyes him. Differently from that day. And David's harp lost its power. Whereas he used to be able to play and bring refreshment. Now the harp didn't work anymore. I'm just gonna tell you something. You might think about this. I've seen the time when the harp loses its power, pastors preach. Bring the word of God, and people are so happy and they're so refreshed. And I've seen the same people sometimes used to love the preaching and the teaching. Now it don't matter which way you bring it, nothing brings them relief. Same man, same anointing. The harp has lost its power. The problem wasn't David. The problem wasn't David's harp. The problem wasn't his anointing. The problem wasn't his playing. Something's happened to you, sir. Something's changed in you, man. It's caused the heart to lose its power, and so now David has to flee. He is not only does he his his playing it can't stop his hatred and it can't stop the evil spirits, and now this man is heaving javelins at David. In the 16th chapter, verse 8, Saul is very wroth, and His persecution of David begins. Everybody say persecution. Persecution. He begins to persecute. Verse 11, he cast a javelin to smite David to the wall. He is a persecutor. Verse 12, Saul is afraid of David because the Lord's with David. Verse 21, Saul gives David, Michael, his daughter, to wife. Not because he loves Michael or loves David. He's thinking, I'll have him bring the dowry of 104 skins of the Philistines. Surely one out of 100 will kill him before he lets them circumcise him. He comes back with 200. So Saul, in verse 20, is more afraid of David. And he has become his enemy continually. No more is it sporadic persecution. It's continual. In chapter 19, Saul is talking to Jonathan in verse 1 and to all of the servants and telling his own son, I want you to kill David. In verse 9, the evil spirit of the Lord is upon Saul and he's still smiting, trying to kill him and smite him with a javelin. And then in verse 11, he sends messengers to David's house to watch him to slay him, and David has to flee for his life because the persecutor is relentless. He's let down by tied sheets, as it were, out of the window, and now begins anywhere from a 6 to 10-year saga of being hated and haunted and hunted by this great persecutor. This persecutor. Now we have come to our second part of the text where it's obvious to Israel how hated David is. He's being lied about. He's the enemy. It's words got out that he's with Samuel. He sends messengers. They prophesy. More, they prophesy. Third time, they prophesy. Now, you know, even a child is known by his
0: doing. Everybody that can remember knows we're not dealing with the same man we had.
1: This man is different. But Who's going to say anything? And now this man comes. And the Spirit of God gets on him too. This is really enigmatic. Here's this persecutor, this hater, this disobedient man whose rebellion's like witchcraft and whose iniquity is like idolatry. And he's on his way. And by the time he gets to Ramah and to Samuel, he is prophesying. But this time, while he's prophesying... His uncleanness could not be hid. And he he stripped himself naked and laid down. And why would he do that? I think just because there was something about him. The uncleanness couldn't be hid. But he is prophesying. The first time God has given us a king that's a prophet. Is he among the
0: prophets? Now... This this rude, crude,
1: priest killing man is still prophesying. And they're still saying, but for different reasons. Is it is Saul among the prophets? I mean, what do you do with this? <laughs> So, my answer to their question is Saul among the prophets would be, yes, sometimes, but he's much more comfortable among the persecutors.
0: He can prophesy
1: every now and then, but... That's not where he really likes to live. Where he's most at home is full of hatred. Where he's most at home is not. And he enjoys prophesying when he does it, no doubt. But he's really most at home when he's flinging javelins and he's hunting and haunting and hating. So... Here's my subtitle. Where are you most at home? Where are we most at home? What realm do we enjoy the best? I venture to say the realms we enjoy the best are the realms we stick around. The things we enjoy the most are the things we do the most. The things we like the most are what we tend to give ourselves to. Amen. And
0: even a child is known by his doings. Whether it's a king named Saul.
1: Or it's any political figure. Or king or monarch. Or individual in the world. Where are we most... Comfortable. I'm closer to being done than you think Now I'm going to start tapping from different directions A few questions Where are we most at home? Are we more at home praying to God for people? Or are we more at home gossiping about people? To other people Where are we most at home? Which realm do we enjoy the most?
0: Praying for people that need all the help they can get.
1: They're talking about it. Where are we most at home? Reading our Bible or the National Enquirer or People Magazine. Come on, where are we most at home? Are we most at home going to church or going to worldly entertainment? Where are we most at home?
0: Was Saul among the prophets? Yes, at times. But he was more comfortable over here with the persecutors. Where we are most at home screams about us. Are we most at home reading or listening to the word of God preached?
1: Or watching Hollywood and television. Come on. Where are we most at home? What excites us? What thrills us? Where are we most at home?
0: Are we most at home?
1: Striving to be a peacemaker. Or inciting fights and arguments. Spreading tales. Where are we most at home? Walking humbly or proudly and arrogantly. Where are we most at home? Telling the truth, loving the truth, or telling lies and loving lies. Pretty simple message, actually, really. Where
0: are we most at home? Come on, fathers, are you more at
1: home? Being with your children and helping them, or being with your drinking buddies and running around. Come on, where are you most at home? Are you more at home looking like
0: a one God apostolic or looking like a punk rocker? Come on, where are you most at home? Are you more at home looking like a saint of God or looking like a street walker? Come on, where are you more at home? What is it that you enjoy?
1: Are you more at home being with God's people? Or with ungodly co workers and their dirty jokes? Are you more at home working with your pastor
0: and lifting up the hands of the man of God? Or are you more at home tearing him down and talking bad about him? Where are you most at home? Is Saul among the prophets?
1: Sometimes, but that's not really where he likes to live. He can, he can go there. Now this condition can slip on us pretty easily. Okay, it really, it really can. We can slip into there easier than we think. Now God's good enough to arrest us and talk to us because he loves us. He's good at it. Such as it's easy to slip into one time Jesus
0: this God who has the cosmos in his back pocket. This invisible God who is a spirit. He cannot die. He tempts no man. He cannot be tempted. He has no blood to shed.
1: But he's so his Spirit overshadowed a virgin named Mary. And this God that had no blood could not die nor be tempted became flesh and dwelt among us. And
0: He was in the wild and the wild was made by Him. And now He was in all points tempted like you and I,
1: yet without sin. And he had no blood to shed, but he figured out a way to have blood to shed. And this God that cannot die figured out a way to taste death for every man. Hence Isaiah 53. He so loved the world. And one day as he's walking, he says, the Son of Man must be delivered up into the
0: hands of the religious leaders and the Gentiles. He'll be delivered up to be crucified, but he'll rise again the third day. Simon Peter, far be it from
1: thee, Lord. We will stand up and fight for you. Jesus is so good. He turns to Peter and says, Hey, Satan, get behind me. I mean, Simon Peter's feeling good.
0: He steps out. The others are scratching their head. Hey, we'll fight for you. Satan,
1: shut up. Get behind me. You're an offense unto me. You don't savor the things of God. You're savoring the things of man. That's not where I want you to be at home is taking up swords and fighting. I want you to be most at home in the prayer room. I want you to be most at home in the pulpit on the day of Pentecost.
0: I want you to be most at home telling people how to get in, not how to get out. I want you to be most at home traversing this gospel and telling every man, woman, and child what it takes to get to heaven. People were of this world; they'd be a bunch of fighters, but they're not of this world.
1: Just a question: Where are you most at home? Where are you most at home? There's a young man in our church. I love that young man. I'm gonna, anyway. I asked him. I. I said, your story, I've told it a few times, but I won't tell it if it bothers you. And obviously, I said, I never use your name. He said, oh, it's fine. It's okay. And since this time of this story, he's had two of his sisters pray through. And so, things I trust and pray and believe are getting better. Amen. get called because of the fighting and the neighbor's calling and and they come in you know what their standard statement is to members of that family they take him to his room which is clean and neat and in order and painted and everything in its place It's a different universe from everything else. And the police will say,
0: Why don't you get what your brother and your son has got? He was raised in that world, but he's not at home in that world. Hey, we're in the world, but we're not in the world. We're not home in this world. We're looking for another place. We are most at home in the church. We're most at home in the work of God. We're most at home because we're getting out of this place. That's why John said, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. World is not your home we're just passing through.
1: Where are you most at home? Almost there Are we at more at home in having revival? praying it down, preaching it, instilling it, seeing it, or talking against people that are. Where are we most at home? Where are we most at home? I know what it is to be frustrated. I know what it is to lay on the floor. I remember one time having a revival, a meeting.
0: Place, and we gave ourselves unreservedly
1: towards a series of meetings. And there were visitors. We were excited. And he proceeded to tell us all the stuff we were not doing. And how much we didn't care. And how little apparently we were trying. And I had a boy, my oldest son, And all of my kids worked, kids in church, my kids, my oldest son, who had spent the better part of a year every single day knocking on doors, passing out tracks, inviting people, putting them on cars.
0: And he got one person to come one time, and that's because they felt
1: sorry for him. And then you're hearing about revivals that other people are having. You listen to me. God, you are my witness. Me and my family and our church. We would rejoice in every good report we heard.
0: If I had to... I'd make my hands be pushed in the air and say thank God for every multiple glorious revival that's taking place everywhere. And I'd name the churches and the people because my heart was God. If you'll do it for others, you're no respecter of persons. You will. I didn't realize it at the time, but I didn't want to be at home in cynicism. I didn't want to be at home in bitterness. I didn't want to live there. I wanted revival. There's a reason the Bible says rejoice with them that rejoice. Weep with them that weep.
1: So you can stand. Are we more interested in having revival or talking against people? Are we more interested in worshiping ourselves or talking against people that really like to worship?
0: Are we more interested in trying to give Bible studies
1: or are we more interested in making up excuses why we can't?
0: Are we more interested in winning the lost
1: or getting on the internet and forums and talking against people that are trying?
0: Are we more interested? What is it? What is it? Where are we most at home? I don't want to be at home in cynicism. I don't want to be home in carnality. I don't want to be home in prayerlessness and worldliness and hardness and callousness and harshness. And I don't want to be home in a television Hollywood sport eating up environment. That's not my home. Saul among the prophets sometimes but I'll tell you where he really likes to live I don't want to live there
1: I want to be at home I want worship to be my home
0: I want worshiping with good people to be my home be the place I'm happy and I'm comfortable with I want to be at home
1: in righteousness that's not self-righteousness it's just God I want to make you happy because you sure have been trying your best to make me happy I want to be at home in prayer I want to be at home with my Bible I want to be at home with brotherly love. I want to be at home loving
0: my brother.
1: I have never heard one single preacher in my life that if I listened to him long enough, I agreed with every single thing they said, including me. But honey, where else are you going to find 99 out of 100 wonderful, beautiful statements? And the one that ain't quite right probably is something wrong with my head. What's that worth to be around good men and women that love this God, that love this Bible, that love this truth,
0: that love the lost and are trying to reach them? Where else are you going to find something that precious? That's where I want to be at home. All right, all right, all right. It's all among the prophets every once in a while.
1: It's not where he likes to live. Johnny there among the prophets. See among those that love God, love God's people, love God's truth, and on and on. That's where I want to hang my head.
0: I just want to be with good men. I want to be around good men. I want to be around people that love this truth and love this righteousness. Is Saul among the prophets? Well, bless your heart, we're trying to be. I want to come to meetings where I can hear what makes him happy. And how much he wants to do for us. And how good he'll be if we'll just halfway let him.
1: I want to go where I can be challenged. To go higher and deeper and further. With greater faith
0: and greater assurance that God loves me. And God's rooting for me. Are we among the prophets? We're sure trying. I know this is where we're most at home. I know this is where it feels good and right. This is where it's healthy. This is where.
1: God in his good mercy has brought us. I know there's chairs here that dear ushers probably need to be moved. And I know there's limited space. But between altar, platform,
0: aisles, all I know is when we respond in some way to God, We're showing God. I don't know what else to do, but I got to show you somehow. This is what this means to me.
1: I want you to know where I'm most at home. I want you to know where I want to hang my hat. I want you to know what, what is precious to me. And if that's beating in your heart, do your best to squeeze in, come down, just
0: lift your hands, be on the platform, come on, come on, we ain't got room down there, but we got room on the platform, come on, come on, let's let's just show God, 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 I want to be closer, I want to be in love of good men, I want to care, I want to love your truth, I want to walk in it. I want to show you where I'm most at home tonight.
1: This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere
0: beyond the blue. I know it's tight, but try and step up as close as you can try and step up as close as you can there's more people that are wanting to get closer